You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy One Muslim Podcast. This is Osma Jaffrey. And this is Zeba Hassan. I feel like I just saw you like a week ago and I get to see you again. I haven't seen your face since last week. It's like week. the Osma lottery. I know. I know. I'm, so, I'm so excited. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are you going back into real world? Um, as yeah, of now. after the retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been an experience because it's kind of like more evaluating everything that I'm doing like really closely, even to how many coffees a day am I drinking? I hope you're Is not drinking really that many me. coffee. Sorry? Because you know, you drink too much coffee and it stresses me out. It stresses. Well, I drink three cups a day. I'm always done before 3pm. But I feel like I'm going to cut back to two and yes. see. I've been doing two and like nothing's happened except I'm wanting it you know, around three o'clock, like, and I'm recognizing that I'm wanting it. I don't need it. My energy is not going anywhere. It's about the same. So it's really just um, feeding a craving and not actually feeding myself. So I appreciate that I learned that from the retreat. How about you? How's your recovery been? So I thought it's funny because um, whenever I have, you know, I get so, what's the word? Immersed. Literally immersed in the process. Yeah. Literally immersed in the process. And, you know, it, it was, it was, it, it was definitely better than even I had hoped it would, would be. Um, and that was, uh, the feedback that we received from everybody, but, you know, for me, it takes a long time for me to recover physically. Um, whenever, even when I do my, my one-on-one coachings, I have to mentally prepare myself ahead of time and I have to have enough time to recover energetically in between, um, taking coaching clients because I, I really do put forth my full effort. Um, and I pretty much uh, essentially let somebody take my energy. And then when it gets back to you, it's like mixed with their energy and then you're putting it in your body. So it physically does take a lot out of me. So that's my long winded way of saying I pretty much didn't nothing productive, but in doing (laughs) nothing productive, I was able to heal, um, heal myself, which I think is helpful. And I'm finally getting to the tail end of that right now. So I I feel just enough to tie, you know, in, to start planning the next one, which is always exciting and fun (laughs) for me. Um, So that having been said, like I enjoyed, you know, meeting so many people and getting to see you IRL, which is always such a great, um, great thing. And I'm glad that you were able to take, get some takeaways from it that you're actually trying to apply in your day-to-day life. So that is a blessing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you ready to get this started? I am so ready to get this started because, you know, part of our retreat was embracing your power and really highlighting and focusing on um, giving or gifting um, women their own power, literally their own power, so that they can do amazing things. And, you know, we have been working on domestic violence pretty much this entire um, month. And, you know, I've learned a lot from it. So what, what about you, Isma? Oh, yeah. Like just having all of our guests on. And I feel like we get three new facts every time that we didn't know about. So it's been really great. And we've been trying to put that up on our Instagram, um, translating everything that they've taught us onto our graphics for the month, which meant we had to change around our graphics because mm-hmm. they're scheduled ahead of time. And it was like, oh, 
I guess we'll take this in a different direction mm-hmm. because it really needed to be done. You know, there are people that are um, reaching out on DMs like, yeah, I'm one of those statistics or, you know, it's also like this or it's also like that and consider this. And it's like, yeah, I wish I wish we could put every single factoid about um, domestic violence, whether it's physical, emotional, verbal, financial, whatever it looks like. I wish we could put it all on our feed. Um, but we're putting up kind of like maybe not even the tip of the iceberg, kind of like the slide your finger off the tip of the iceberg. Um, There's so much more there. And we just hope that people who need to get safe, get safe fast. And they use the resources that we've included on our posts in order to get that way. Inshallah. And I mean, and that's pretty much, you know, if you're not a survivor or a victim, you should be an advocate. And that is kind of what what we're trying to do in providing a platform for uh, Muslim women to kind of come on, including our next guest. Her name is Hope. Um, And, you know, she, if if you notice, is um, blurred out or camera is off because she wants to remain anonymous. And we want to respect that for um, for her. She is a mom of two. And I'm going to pretty much just let her, you know, be her own voice piece. And Hope, could you do us a solid and introduce yourself and introduce a little bit of what you're going through right now? Thank you for having me. So as you'd mentioned, I'm a mom of two. Um, Currently, I'm in a marriage. Um, Historically, it's been an emotionally abusive marriage. Um, my husband, if you had to define him in any way, is a emotional abuser, narcissistic um, abuser. Um, where I am right now is far, far better than where I was, even if you had to say a couple of years ago. I have um, really really tried to turn things around for myself through therapy and learning more about my situation. But it's not always that simple, especially when you are in an emotionally abusive marriage, something that is rarely ever talked about in Muslim circles, because it's very poorly understood. When people talk about domestic violence, they only speak about whether a person is hit or not. And a majority of domestic violence, and most people actually prefer to call it domestic abuse because there's so many different kinds of it. Violence is only a part of it. Um, so I have never been hit in my marriage ever, but I do carry scars with me that are far, far deeper than anybody can ever imagine. So I've been married for over a decade, and uh, I think that's the thing. Um, coming from the generation I have been, I'm much older uh, than most like other younger Muslim, um, older millennial, I guess, if you had to put it. Um, and you're always taught to, you know, to have patience. Uh, women are the one who make things work to sacrifice. That's what I was taught. And that's what I had seen my own mother do. She was also in an emotionally abusive marriage. Same thing. My father, I mean, he'd never even raised his voice on my mother. But the fact is that in other ways, he was quite terrible to her in terms of belittling her, trying whatever he could to break her spirit. 
Um, and I think that's key when it comes to understanding emotional abuse. Emotional abuse, um, and I saw this in my marriage as well, it isn't about physical control. It's about a lot of psychological control. Uh, when I got married, I guess it was maybe the first two, three months that were okay. And after that, it was just a string of verbal degradation in any way, shape, or form. That I wasn't good enough as a wife. Um, comparisons were always there. I My family was not good enough. My uh, it, it extended to my parents, uh, my siblings, um, or even extended family, that they were not good enough one way or the other. Um, or my friends weren't good enough. Or that, why do I need to be in touch with my friends sort of situation as well. Um, I'm going to have you pause right there just to kind of go back to a mm -hmm. couple of things. Um, the expectations part that you talked about. And then secondly, what I'm hearing you say is um, the control, I guess, the psychological abuse that was happening. Uh, we've been taught this month that a lot of abusers, this is kind of their MO, like a characteristic pattern of isolating you from your loved ones, including family and friends, by trying to, you know, convince you that they're not worthy for, I, I don't even know why. Um, but then if they're not able to do that, just to kind of limit your time and access to them. So if you disagree with the second part, let us know. But let's go back to the first part and talk about those expectations. Um, oh, and the other thing I noted was that your mother was also emotionally abused. And Monica Phil was on here a few weeks ago telling us that typically what we see in victims of domestic abuse is that that's something that they witness. So they fall into the same patterns that they grew up talking about. So if you could speak on those two topics, the cultural expectations that you're trying to meet, and the toll that watching your mother played on you. And that's the thing. I mean, coming from a Pakistani background, the expectation is is always there that that's what I had heard growing up from my mother even that you had to make sacrifices. The expectation to do everything. She my mother literally did everything for the household, not just even her immediate family, but for extended family as well for their well-being, for the well-being of everybody. She spread herself thin in so many ways. I mean, I I couldn't even do half of those things. It, it was not humanly possible for me. I don't even know how she did it at that time. I don't. I mean, she did so much. And you sort of see that as your role model for daughters. Our, our mothers are our primary role models. You want to be like them. And even though I recognized when I got older that how my father treated my mother, and I wish that I did, wouldn't get a husband like that, but the fact is um, emotional abuse is so prevalent within Pakistani households and, and people who come from Pakistani backgrounds. It, it sort of, you get into it and then you sort of are, okay with being it because you've seen it all your life, even though you may recognize it as being bad. 
and you don't want it for yourself, but you're not sure how to get out of it, or even if you should get out of it. It was only until I had met a few of my other friends who were in emotionally healthy relationships that I could see a comparison and be like, oh, maybe what I'm going through or what my mother went through was not okay. At Up until that point, you only have the instinct that something bad is happening to you, but you're not sure. You're really not. That the, the verbal degradation, do you, what do you do about it? Because you've never seen anybody fight back against it, ever. So what do you do? Who do you turn to? Because I tried to turn to my own family, but the only thing that you hear is that this is just the way it is. What do you do with that? What's the counter argument to that when nobody in your family has seen better, especially when it comes to women? This month's episodes are sponsored by Amana Mutual Funds Trust. Find out more at amanafunds.com. That's A-M-A-N-A funds.com. Any comments or statements made in these episodes do not necessarily reflect those of Saturna Capital Corporation, Saturna Brokerage Services, formerly Investors National Corporation, or their affiliates. when we think of domestic violence or physical abuse, like you see the scars, you, you, you see the blood, you see that, you know, it's tangible, but emotional abuse is one of those things. Like to your point, when you said in the beginning, it cuts really deep and my scars are invisible, your scars are invisible. So it is so hard to explain it not only to other people, but sometimes to yourself. So, and especially if like in your circumstance, and unfortunately in a lot of women who repeat the behaviors of the the prior generation, they don't understand or realize that it's not normal because it's something that they've seen their entire lives. So to your point, you're like, oh, we have to, you know, you can't, you have to make do with this and this and this, not recognizing that that's not supposed to happen. So it is a little bit more difficult to, to even try to tell somebody that they're being abused where they're in that particular situation. So one, I want to, um, tell you that I really appreciate you sharing the story because my hope is if somebody's listening, they might see glimpses of themselves in the story and they recognize that they are being abused and they get the help that they need. So Isma, you know, for everything that we've learned, um, you know, from Mona and a lot of our, our previous people that we brought, brought on here this month, what is something that you would tell Hope to do first once she's starting to recognize, okay, there is a pattern of behavior that is not normal. It's more toxic. Now what? Cause like she says, she doesn't know what to do or where to go from here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily directly from our speakers that came on, but extrapolating just from their experience and then, you know, the, how many, therapists that we have had on this podcast so far, communication, 
So, you know, initially you had this honeymoon period of three to four months, which I'm so sorry about because it really, you deserve better than that. But um, communication and maybe talking to your partner about specific instances. And here's what's really hard about verbal and emotional abuse. People, even if you go to somebody and you say like, I, I, this is not working, they'll be like, well, what did he do? And then that's when your mind goes blank and you're like, uh, well, you know, and it's like you have to catalog the dialogue that is happening with this abuser, this narcissistic person and the things that they're saying and how it makes you feel. And then having to validate to people who quote unquote love you and quote unquote know you the best, uh, validating that, hey, that's really hurtful to me. And then they might say something like, oh, but I said that to you and it was fine. And it wasn't because it taught you to accept it from your, your now partner. So in terms of communication, what kind of communication were you able to have with your partner about this, your abuser about this, or were you not able to because it was an unsafe situation for you and you were afraid of some kind of escalation, whether it was verbal or physical? Here's the thing with about a narcissistic abuser. There's a very specific pattern of behavior that they go through. If I had to to caution anybody who's in an emotionally abusive relationship, they are all liars. Mark my word on this. They are all liars and they will never accept fault ever. You will go through some of the most horrendous things on earth and they you would point it out to them, but they will make it out as if it was not a big deal. Or that or it, it was, was your fault. the person's own fault. Reasoning right. with a narcissistic emotional abuser is, is even worse than talking to a brick wall. Because at least you can hear your own echo from a brick wall. From a narcissistic abuser, all you will get is another tirade blaming you for something that is, was not your fault. Or spinning the story in a way that it makes them into the victim. Once you've been in an emotionally abusive relationship for especially more than a couple of years, it does take a mental, emotional toll on you. you the only thing you can do is to heal yourself in the best like, possible way. I know that for a lot of people... Um, going to therapy might not be uh, an option for many different reasons. It might not be financially feasible or it could be particularly unsafe. There was a point when it could have been unsafe for me, but it's not this, not that way anymore. But therapy is number one. And if you can have a community of people who who understand what you've been through, Unfortunately, emotional abuse is not uncommon. It is across the board, other cultures, other, um, I would say, religious classes. It's very common. If you have a community, particularly my online community, was my saving grace. I credit them for me being here and being able to speak on this. I may not be out of the marriage, but the fact is I am in a far better place right now than what I was. And that's the thing. You need to have people who believe you because unfortunately within particularly Pakistani settings, 
emotional abuse is not just something we get from our spouses. It's it's a very classic, unfortunate uh, cultural trait amongst Pakistanis. I would say emotional amongst most minority communities, because we don't recognize the impact of emotional abuse. Our parents didn't re- recognize that they had been emotionally abused, and they were passing that on to us. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do another plug for Rami, because season three, like it talks about this, and where his mom is like absolutely shocked that she would be accused of emotionally abusing her children. But you know, mm-hmm. she does. And a lot of times it's because they don't know any better. But the fact that you turned inward, because you can't control another person, right? We know that you can't mm-hmm. change. We do not have the power to change anybody. That's only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, granting them the guidance to change within themselves. You did exactly what was right, which was changing yourself. Now, critics will say, oh, well, she went to therapy and that's where she got these ideas of emotional abuse. No, no, it was already there. She just learned the language for it. Like that's mm-hmm. where we go to learn the language in therapy of what's happening to us. And that's what therapists do. They are not like, I think the therapist in Rami was actually like planting stuff in the sister's like brain and naming <laughs> things that were like weird. Yeah. So that was the, that was a parody of a therapist that is not what therapists actually do in my experience. So I think that that's really integral. Was there ever an option supposing, supposing your partner was not a narcissist, was there ever an option for couples therapy? We've tried it, but again, the, the thing is uh, we went to a couples therapist and he would be there. And that's the other thing that most people don't understand most narcissistic emotional abusers are charmers on the Very outside. Mm-hmm. They have a mm-hmm. different persona to other people than what they are at home. So the fact is that um, he would be outside and he'd seem fine and he'd be in that session. That doesn't mean he was going to implement anything from those sessions. A month into it, I knew that this was, this was all just another farce that he was putting on. So it was no good. It was just, it, it, it hurt me more in a sense that even at that time, I was really hoping that the marriage could be saved. And that's what people don't understand, that it's not that women don't want their marriages to work. We really tried. I really tried. But he just didn't and still doesn't care enough to really do the work that's needed. And he didn't at that time. And it hurt that he'd go, but it meant nothing. Zeba, do you want to kind of talk about the elephant in the room? Why are you still with him? And no, no. And I'm just saying that because this is not a fault Mm -hmm. thing, right? Because that's, I, I want to clarify that, but a lot of women are in your situation, right. right? Where they're like, oh my God, I can't get out. I'm stuck. And could you give voice to that a little bit about why you're still with him, recognizing that he probably won't be doing the work, one, to um, he's likely never going to change. And three, you're, you're going to go further down this rabbit hole, even with you doing the introspective work that you're doing, because words still hurt 
like you said, even if the scars are not physical. The thing is, I am right now financially dependent on him. When I got married to him, I left a very, a very successful career to help him establish himself. I gave up everything, even my financial independence. And if I had to point out that, that is the biggest mistake any woman can do. Do not give up your financial independence for a man, ever. And But I did it because, again, that's what good good wives do. You give everything to that marriage. I gave up my career, what I had, which was a really the good chance of getting somewhere. I gave it all up. Then I ha- we had kids. I spent that time raising my children. I have over a decade gap between the last time I worked. And right now, I am an age, aging 40-something in a, mar- in a workplace that really isn't very kind to aging 40-somethings with no background or, or no work experience for over a decade, specifically. I am trying to make myself financially independent to get out of this marriage because it's not just for me. I think that's the other thing that people need to understand. I don't want this to be repeated in my my kids. They should not have to learn that this is okay or that because we also have my mother-in-law that lives with us and she is also emotionally abused by him. It's that's the thing. It's not just that right now he doesn't emotionally abuse me as much because I have now drawn my line in rock per se and I have become in a sense dangerous he I had to snap before he found out that I had had enough which happened about a couple of years ago so he doesn't push that but the fact is that I am still working towards financial independence so I can separate from him so that I can be happy and that my children can see that I deserve to be happy as well. So that speaks to the need in our community for resources. Um, I think an important one is a continuous charity, Mm -hmm. right? And I think we've talked to people who work with them. And currently during this month, uh, they're raising funds for women like you who, well, women who have actually left their partners and now have to start over, maybe have to go back to school Mm -hmm. to gain a skill set because you, alhamdulillah, obviously had a skill set. You just didn't exercise it for the past decade. But maybe these people didn't even have that. So they're going back to school on interest-free loans in order to pick them up Uh, pick themselves up by their bootstraps and then provide for either themselves or their children. My question to you is, have you talked to your kids about what they're observing in the household and what discussions, what did the discussions with them look like? Well, I haven't had the discussion per se, because again, it's a very dangerous discussion to have, especially when he's around, which is generally majority of the time when the kids are at home either the weekends or after they come back from school. I have been accused in the past of poisoning the children or him telling my kids that I don't care about them in whatever fit of rage he has gone into. This is a very precarious 
a conversation, but I do now set my boundaries in stone that he will not be speaking in certain terms with me or with the children. Again, I've come to the point that I've become a very dangerous woman when it comes to showing my temper. I have stopped cowering in the corner anymore. So I protect my peace and I protect the peace of my children. I unfortunately can't do anything for my mother-in-law. That is the boundary that she refused to set with her own child. So at this point, that is what I do the best I can is to hold my ground and protect the peace for me and my children and fight the battles that I have to fight. That's the thing I think if I had to say anything is that we are also not taught to what battles to fight for ourselves as women. We are not supposed to be able to fight for our right to boundaries. And those are so integral as women because a lot of our boundaries are stepped on so often. But we need to protect those boundaries and we need to learn to protect those boundaries and we need to teach our children to protect those boundaries as well. And protecting those boundaries, not just from, you know, an abusive spouse, like in Mm -hmm. general, protecting boundaries and creating that for yourself. And that comes from the ability to recognize that your time, your body, your mental and emotional space is actually worth something and is important, right? So then you're just like, okay, now I can put up a boundary because you recognize that you, your time is valuable or your emotional mental health is valuable, whether that's with a spouse, with a sibling, with a family member, with a friend, or, you know, with like all of us women love to volunteer and all of that kind of stuff and being able to put up those boundaries even within that. So I love that you're saying that. And, you know, to, to the extent that you can speak on how you, it sounds like there was an incident of some sort. I'm not putting words in your mouth that you kind of drew your line in the sand and you're like, I'm done, I'm done. But what is it for people that are listening and possibly in your situation, what is it that was the catalyst for you to decide, okay, this is my, I'm drawing this line, like to your point in rock, not even in the sand, and you will not pass it. But what was it that that shook you in such a way that you were like, this is it. And this is, this is my boundary from here on out. Strange thing was, it was not even for me. I think maybe it was partially for me, but um, when my parents came the last time, visited for the last time, the sheer amount of disrespect he showed them when he, and here's the thing, not, not all parents are perfect. That's a given. But, and again, my father was particularly a specific sort of way, not to other people, but to his own spouse. But the fact is, he's not very religious, but to compare him to a kafir, okay, to me, and to say that my mother, the woman, who again is not without flaws, but is one of the kindest people you will ever, ever meet, is uh, is almost like a manipulative witch. That is when I I snapped in a sense. That like this is this is the the height of all disrespect. Yeah, he disrespected his own mother 
for whatever reasons, but I, at that point, something inside me just snapped. And then later on, um, in the same year, we were somewhere and we, we got lost in a sense that we got separated. And instead of really coming back and looking for me, he just went on ahead to his friends. And by the time I got to where he was, he was having a merry old time with his friends eating dinner. Could not be bothered about that his wife was missing. Could have possibly been kidnapped or raped, whatever. Could not care. And that's when I was like, this man really does not care about me. He just doesn't. Um uh, and that's when I sort of did my istikhara. I think that's the first time I had ever actually done an istikhara. Um, and I asked Allah that if I'm meant to separate from this man, then he open the paths for me. And he has in his own ways. And people would be like, but you're still with him. But they don't understand that separating from somebody that is emotionally abusive is not as easy as people think. You do have to undo a lot of the emotional manipulation that you've been through. For for me, it was over a decade. And there's lots of lies that are in there intertwined as well. When I finally told him that I wanted to separate, um, he then gives the false promises that, no, I'm going to be better, I'm going to fix everything, and so on and so forth. He may not be what he was before that time, but the fact is, is that he's still lying in a sense that he has not gone to therapy as he said he would. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's not really fixing the problem. He's masking it. And that's a classic narcissistic abuser. They will mask it until they can't mask it anymore. So Usma, I was looking at my 401k materials and getting a little overwhelmed. Oh, I know what you mean. It can look like chaos. And none of the choices were halal. It's kind of a disaster. You know about the amount of funds though, right? Wait, no. What? Well, if your plan has a brokerage option, it's likely you can choose them through that. But you can also invest directly with them. They're halal? You bet. They're the oldest and largest Islamically acceptable funds in the U.S. Sharia certified, the whole deal. We want to thank Amana Funds for sponsoring this episode. Here's what you need to know. Please consider an investment's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. To obtain this and other important information about Amana Mutual Funds in a current prospectus or summary prospectus, please visit www.amanafunds.com or call toll-free 1-800-728-8762. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. Distributed by Saturna Brokerage Services Incorporated, member of FINRA, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Saturna Capital, investment advisor to the Amana Mutual Funds. There's a therapist I follow online on Instagram. I'm trying to find what her name is. And of course, she's not showing up now on my feed. And every morning, she's one of the first ones I see. Um, But she talks specifically about narcissists and how if you initiate a breakup, they're going to make your life miserable. Because if you thought Mm -hmm. the abuse over a decade was bad, they will like pile it on you afterwards. So, and that's, I think, to empower women to know, uh, empower people to know that this kind of behavior is narcissistic behavior. This is the reason 
why you left them. So it's kind of a reminder. It's not to scare people and say, don't leave a narcissist. It's just expect that this is coming from that place of a narcissistic's very narrow point of view of the world, which always includes them as the center of it, because they are the, the most important person in the room, wherever they go. And that speaks to your husband leaving you and going off with his friends and not worrying about finding out where you were. Um, is there an option for you to, um, I guess, reach out to family or friends nearby and potentially stay with them for like, you know, the halal separation of three months and all of that, the whole Islamic process? I don't have any family with me nearby me. That's one of those things that is also an abusive tactic of taking taking you you away from the people who can help you or to plant enough doubt in your mind about them that you don't reach out to them. But in my situation, I don't have anybody next to me that I could trust enough to go by myself and with the children as well. No, you're, you're 100% right, because that is literally one of the first things they do, right, is to try to separate you so that you can't leave, essentially, or you feel um, extremely alienated and alone, you know, and, and I love to hear, I'm loving hearing that you are working on a plan, mm-hmm. and you're moving forward. And, and I appreciate that. But to the extent that we we as a community can be an ally for somebody like yourself, Hope, that's in this particular situation. What are some things that you wish you would be receiving or you wish that would be provided to you from us as allies in the community? Here's the thing. Um, My mother, again, has also been through emotional abuse will still insist that I stay with my husband. Um, I, she knows all of the things and all that I've been through and my intentions, but she is unwilling to really accept this or even assist me with it because she doesn't recognize this as abuse. For us as a mm-hmm. community, we still don't recognize this as abuse. We need, as a community, to understand how harmful this is. And we cannot offer support unless we understand that this is wrong. I do have some friends here who know what's going on. And it was not my intention to tell them. It's just that certain circumstances arose, and I had to be frank with them that, this this can't happen for such and such reason. But even then, their, their response is standoffish, that they refuse to acknowledge this as a problem or maybe once in six months be like, are you okay? Which isn't enough. Mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with somebody really close to me who was obviously very emotionally abusive to the point that his wife actually left. And he was literally like shocked, like shocked, but I never hit her. Mm -hmm. And I tried to explain to him. I was like, you don't have to put your hands on somebody for them to want to leave you. Mm -hmm. You can be emotionally unavailable. You can be emotionally abusive. You can be verbally abusive. You can be psychologically abusive. 
maybe you were all of those things, but like the ins, it's like literally like the light bulb sort of, you can see the light sort of coming and then immediately because they are narcissistic goes out again. Like, no, that can't possibly, no, I, that never happened. And it's like, I find it really hard to believe that that never, ever happened. So, you know, of course we pray that the community steps up for you. We're always here. And that's what we've made very clear. I think on our, um, posts and anything that we've put up on social media, that if anybody has any issues, and we are very blessed, alhamdulillah, to get the trust of a lot of women out there in the virtual world who are confiding in us and letting us know this is going on or asking us, this is going on. Is this abuse? And 100% of the time so far, it's been, yes, it probably is, but here's a therapist that you can call. Here's a hotline you can call. Have you ever considered calling a hotline yourself? Um, I haven't, per se. Again, I didn't understand how much of this worked, um, calling a hotline and reaching out for help. I did go through a particular organization that is local to me to sort of seek counselors that were were free at that time because, again, I couldn't afford to do it. I've literally spent a small fortune Mm -hmm. trying to heal from what I had gone through a lot of times I couldn't afford it. I reached out to the organization and they did provide um, free counseling for a certain period of time. Um, but again, I, 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 it's not that I discourage people from calling the hotline. It's just that we're, again, when you're abused, you're trying to figure out a lot of things alone on top of a lot of the other responsibilities we have as mothers. Um, and you're not sure what is and what isn't that you should do and you're afraid as well you're afraid if you're found out you don't want the abuse to be any worse than it already is and that's the truth of the matter so doing a lot of things in secret comes with the fact that what is and isn't that you should do how are you being tracked or not tracked because emotional or narcissistic abusers are very suspicious as people they they will make any sorts of accusations. I've been accused of cheating on him with our, like, or having interest in our neighbor or any number of those things, <laughs> even though, I mean, like, no, it, it never, never happened. You have turned me off of all men. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And I, you know, that's the unfortunate circumstance of a lot of people that I've known in my experience who have left an abusive situation where they no longer trust men. Because think about it, like in the Muslim culture, particularly, it's you leave your father's house, you go to your husband's house. And that's what's expected. Mm-hmm. You know, I think pan culturally, that's what's mm-hmm. really expected. And I think that that's something that needs to change. Like we need to empower our girls to, yes, go experience the world. And again, going back to Rami, Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, those experiences look a little bit different. But, you know, I would love a show that shows those of us who went out and experienced the world and didn't, you know, for lack of a better word, screw around. Like we literally were trying to learn everything we could to be independent so that when we entered a relationship, we entered it on our terms. We entered a relationship that we wanted, not that was thrust upon us, that was not fulfilling like the expectations of other people. It was expect uh, fil- fulfilling the expectations we had for our dream partners. And okay, maybe we're not finding him when we're 22 and 18 and 19. And maybe we're finding him at the average age of 32, 
three right now. But I think that that's so much safer for our daughters and safer for our generations going forward because this kind of abuse is not going to be perpetuated. So it is my plea to those mothers who are out there with marriageable children. Don't force them to get married because there's some kind of a deadline or expiry date on your child. There isn't, you know, finding a partner at any point in life is useful. And guess what? Maybe your child never wants a partner and that's okay too. You know, if they are fulfilled on their own. That's not a choice that unfortunately a lot of Muslim girls have because, because we are seen as sources of grandchildren. That's it. So I can see that for myself as well because I I was old a little older when I got married and for me as they'd say the biological clock was ticking even though now I find out that it's it's not as people say it to be it's not as hard and fast Hillary Swank is like 45 having a kid right now I would die like, though she's pregnant Sorry? I would die, though. No, I would never. No, inshallah, never. I'm 45. I'm not going to jinx myself. You're like, I would not. No, I, I get I get what you're saying. Like, there are different and all there's. But but this is why we're having these conversations so that we can start changing those narratives. Yes, that yeah. has existed in the in, in the that maybe the previous generation, but maybe we are doing better by our daughters and our sons that, you know, getting married is not your quote unquote way out, right. From leaving your it's parents, it's not a checkbox. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's funny because I did, I was one of those that did get married super early. And of course I would remarry my husband today. That's not the point. But when my daughter asks me, Oh, I, I should, I get um, I, the number one thing that I tell her is do not get married early. It happened to work out for me, but through a lot of, you know, um, effort on both, both parties, but I wish I had had the opportunity like Uzma and some of my other friends that had uh, their ability to be able to stand on their own before, you know, I, I've literally never had my own bedroom, right? Like I've gone from sharing a room with my sister to sharing, you know, to going straight to my, and, and having that opportunity to kind of be more introspective is, is a blessing. So maybe that starts now with us having those frank conversations, these frank conversations to be like, listen, we're not just a source of um, being a grandmother, uh, you know, providing you grandchildren for that next generation. Because quite frankly, if you don't fix the things that are, um, poisoning our culture now, that's just going to translate to the next generation anyway. So what benefit is that going to be with us for all of any of us if we're continuing the cycle? For daughters, it's also integral, not just daughters, but for sons in a specific way to teach them what are good, healthy relationships. And it's not necessary for what they've seen from their parents. You can definitely love and respect your parents but you should also know what is and isn't doesn't um, constitute a good relationship. Those are not things that we are taught as a community. That needs to change if we need if we are to break the cycle of abuse. And inshallah, it's going to start with us. Typically, we close with a rapid fire to get to know you better. But because you are anonymous today, we're going to respect your privacy, respect your safety and pray wholeheartedly for your independence from emotional abuse one day. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. 
make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy Wall Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.